0: Welcome to another episode of the Leaders in Education podcast, the official podcast for the Charlevoix Emmett Intermediate School District, featuring Voices in Education. Today we are talking with Natan Kiogama and Randy Koch from the Little Traverse Bay Bands of Ottawa Indians, where Natan is the Language Director and Randy is the Behavioral Health Manager. Also joining us for this conversation is Leisha Schley-Huber, M's Behavioral Health Coordinator. Natan and Randy, thank you for talking with us today. Thank you. Thank you for asking. It's an
1: honor to be here. Okay, before we get started, we would first like to acknowledge that we are here on the beautiful ancestral lands of the Anishinaabe people. So in the proud spirit of collaboration and celebration, say, buju and welcome.
2: Boozhoo.
0: Welcome for you here. So Alicia and I have spent the last two months mm-hmm. talking with principals, counselors, and therapists uh, that work in our schools. So that we can learn more about ways that we can help students and support their behavioral health. And I'm so grateful that both of you are willing to share your work in the ways that you, the bands are supporting youth in our region. So, to start, I wonder if you would both share a little bit about your background and the work that you do.
3: Okay. Um, hello, my name is Nathan Keoguma. Um, I am from Little Traverse Bay Band. I um, grew up here. I was not born here. I grew up here. Uh, I uh, had went and had my family, and uh, their fathers from Wisconsin, and so we've been, you know, on the road um, doing powwows and ceremonies, and um, made it back here in 2013. As I graduated from CMU with a teaching degree. Mm-hmm and started working at the language program right away as a language instructor. And then I received my master's in 2019 in uh, education. And now I'm director. I've been director for over, over a year. And uh, I'm just, you know, my main goal and purpose is to revitalize the Anishinaabemowin in our Odawa dialect, and just trying to pass that on and preserve it at the same time.
0: What a great purpose. And thank you for sharing that. Randy?
2: So, I mean, I don't know where to begin. Um, <laughs> so I've been in the mental health field for, uh, re- I actually come originally from St. Louis, Missouri. So um, uh, practiced there for um, a couple of decades, moved to northern Michigan about 12 years ago, um, was offered a position with one of the local substance use disorder treatment facilities and manage their outpatient services for about seven years prior to coming um, coming to uh, Little Traverse Bay Bands. So, um, you know, I, for me, my passion is helping people and I, I love to really kind of develop programming um, and to, to develop that programming in a manner so that it meets the needs of the people that we're providing services for. So that's, um, that's kind of it for me. I, it is an honor to be here to serve this community. Um, and I mean that from the tips of my toes through my heart. And um, um, I'll leave it at that.
0: Great, thank you. thank you.
1: So either of you can chime in on this, but We've heard a lot about challenges students today are facing, from trauma, anxiety, depression. Are there any unique challenges facing Native American students?
2: you want me to lead off?
1: Sure, you can lead off.
2: I mean, I'm going to state the obvious things. So for me, I think that um, prejudice and racism, racism remain um, as kind of a, a divisive uh, force that our kids are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a lot of other things that, that you hear commonly that are also very impactful. I mean, there's income disparity, there's, there's an issue of barriers to access to services, there's food insecurity. They all impact kind of how kids um, are able to, to function in school, to learn, um, you know, I think our community youth uh, may at times also um, be challenged with some of the formal learning processes because learning styles vary from one student to the next. We know that, um, and and um, so that can also be a challenge. And then you couple that with the things that everybody, the, all the buzzwords that are going on mm-hmm. now about social media and the influences of being connected to a supercomputer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So that is kind of in a nutshell kind of how i see our community youth kind of being um steered away maybe from some of the the roots that they have that can kind of keep them grounded and centered so um
3: i think one of the challenges is um which what well, all brandy said i i'm on board with that 100 um but also there's identity crisis mm. of Our young people not knowing who they are as Anishinaabe, as Odawa people. um, We've had a lot of generational trauma where um, it was illegal to be who you were. You know, we couldn't practice our ceremonies, we couldn't um, have powwows. It was illegal to speak uh, the Odawa language so there was a lot against us you know generations ago and we're still feeling those effects It they still disrupt our family our family structure um and that sometimes that shame and that fear and guilt has been passed down to generation to generation i know it definitely has in my family um and just overcoming that is you know a challenge in itself and trying to help you know our young people is so hard because they're trying to figure out who they are, what's their place in this world. And, you know, they're, it's hard to fit as a native youth when, um, there's so many things against you, when there's so many things that, um, that just don't, don't fit, that don't, Mm -hmm. you don't feel like you fit in here. It's very, you know, exclusive and, when you're, you know, when our youth are in school and they're being taught, you know, um, the only time you hear about Native people is, like, Thanksgiving or, you know, Christopher Columbus, which we all kind of roll our eyes at that now anyway, but, um, you know, it's just, it, it's hard for them to be taught who they are by people who have no idea of, you know, what they're teaching about because they don't have that connection you know, with Native communities. So it's like, it, it's just a challenge for them because they just don't quite know who they are yet. And if sure. you don't know who you are, you're not going to have pride. And it's it's rough for them.
0: So that sort of piggybacks on this next question. I'm, I'm curious how that history that you're talking about has impacted students' uh, education, their mental health, and their overall wellness.
3: I think just the the ignorance and the community we live in around with the non-native community the not being aware of us of who Odawa people are where we come from um and you know the, and honestly schools do not do a great job at that um you know they kind of want to stay on that fine line and don't want to you know make anyone upset Um, instead of like teaching the truth, you know, about boarding schools and about, you know, the native genocide that was here, you know, uh, very touchy issues, but they're all true. And I think if the history is more correct and if it was from a native perspective, um, I think native students would feel um, not only honored to hear the truth, and for everyone to be taught that, but also for their non-native, you know, peers, Mm -hmm. um, there's an understanding there. And you start to, slowly, but you start to build bridges of, oh, you know, this this isn't what I've heard, you know, this Mm -hmm. isn't, you know, because a lot of students, I realize, don't understand that they're just being taught stereotypes and um they they're just being passed down, and so they already have this image, and they already have this perception of what a native person is, and you know it's usually coming from not a great place so that you know that having those stereotypes kind of ingrained um, you know is is pretty unfair, but um I wish the uh, education system would do a little more to um, to teach about that not just during November but mm-hmm. all year long. I mean're we're, we're here our history's here, but we're still here and relevant and I don't think that's really you know that that's not um, that's not part of education as it should be.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate your perspective and your willingness to surface that thank you.
1: Part of your role is addressing native language loss. How does the loss of Anishinaabemowin impact the mental and emotional well-being of indigenous students and what efforts are being made to revitalize the language?
3: Uh, that's a great question or statement um, issue. Um, so to native people language is a part of their spirit. It's a part of. There's sound that literally comes from the land, like physically. Um, Language is a connection. It's a connection of like all of our elements of physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. Um, They're they're like ancestral sounds. And those sounds have have meaning and they have spirit. Like we consider the language alive. It has a spirit. it connects us to generations back. It connects us to the land. It connects us to each other. Um, So when we speak the language to each other, you know, we're sharing a part of ourselves. We're, you know, revealing who we are. We're revealing our spirit. And it's a very sacred thing. Um, When you're speaking Anishinaabemoon to someone or just speaking it, you're, you know, you're making those sounds that, you know, that will go back you know we talk about seven generations and that can be two things it could be seven generations ago or it could be the seven generations you're in now like you're in the middle you have um you know the the three generations after before you like your children your grandchildren great-grandchildren and then you have the three generations that are behind you which is your parents your grandparents your great-grandparents and that our connection to those generations is very important in the language. Um, it just, it it um, brings you back to that when you speak it. And so, um, knowing the history of our boarding schools where we had a generation in, you know, well, they call it the 60s scoop, but it, I think it goes back even before that. But we have Holy Childhood, um, boarding school that was here in Harbor Springs, still is there. Um, And we had a whole generation, I would say, about my grandparents' generation, where language and culture were just totally decimated and wiped out. And um, that affected every generation after that, including mine, including my children's, my grandchildren's, that affected us. And so to bring that language back, um, language, culture, and spirituality all go hand in hand. So when you're learning to say your self-introduction of um, your Anishinaabe name, which is basically the name of your spirit and who you were before you came into this world and who you are when you leave this world, that that connection there and that spirit, when it comes out and you're revealing your identity and who you are, um, it's just it's something very special because it's your identity as an Odawa person. and. A lot of our youth, you know, they don't have their Anishinaabe names. They don't know their clan. Their clan is your—that's your relative. That is the um, the animal um, clan system that uh, that you're born into. You get your clan from your father's side, and that clan has responsibilities. Like my clan is Megasendodem, which is the bald-headed eagle clan. So, you know, I'm learning my responsibilities part of that. You know of that clan, which is also my relative. So someone else's ego clan, I'm related to them. And so knowing your responsibilities as, you know, um, as said to them is, you know, spirituality and your help, that you're supposed to help your people in that spiritual, um, that spiritual manner, that spiritual way. And so when I work with youth, you know, I I like to concentrate on that. And that's a big part of that is finding out, well, who are you, you know, as Odawa? Who are you as Anishinaabe? And those questions are so important because it gets them thinking, and then they start talking to their families, and then start doing research, genealogy, and they start to find out, oh, you know, my. My grandfather was Bear Clan. I didn't know that. And so it starts a whole, opens a whole new realm for them of like, they can have pride in who they are. It's like, oh, I'm Makwa. I'm Bear Clan. I want to know about everything about that. And they get excited. Then you get, you know, the confidence. Then you get pride. And then you just get that boost of, hey, I am somebody. I belong here. And they just, they, they just cling to that Anishinaabe connection. And you can just see it in their whole, you know, their whole body and their, you know, how they feel about themselves. And it's it's pretty, I think it's magical when, mm-hmm. when I see a youth that they figure out, like, oh, hey, you know, I, I, I want to find out who I am. I, I want to know more about this. And it just, it gives them that source of, um, you know, of confidence that they need. It's survival to me. Yeah. Go, I don't know
2: if Randy has anything. That... I mean, I, out of all the things that you've said, Nathan and I, uh, I enjoy listening to the teaching, um, it's a matter of recognition, right? Like, whether it's within the school system or within the community, it's a matter mm-hmm. of recognition. Like, this is who I am, and who I am is important, and who I am has value. And having those roots in the Anishinaabe uh, in, in the world of the Anishinaabe is just, I mean, to me, is just hugely ambitious and, and these kids should be, you know, not retracting in, right, and, and feeling like they should be ashamed of, they should be, um, you know, really kind of moving that pride, as Natan said, outward, and to make that connection. Um, they, the, the youth, and the next six generations thereafter are going to be those that carry this. The teachings the language the culture forward so absolutely
0: this is fascinating and i really appreciate you sharing that and i can tell your enthusiasm for the for the work just in the way that you're talking about that so thank you for doing that and just i'm thinking you know every student um uh, i think everybody could benefit from having some reflection about where they came from and, where they're going, and and
1: so... Well,
3: it's interesting, Um, so when I did teach at Petoskey High School and Harbor Springs Mm -hmm. in our language class, the language classes are open to everybody, so not just Native students. Right. So I would get, I would always get a good mixture of half and half, so um, the non-Native students would come in and then um, learning accurate, Mm -hmm. you know, history and, you know, um, but modern, you know, Native people and... Native people in the community so that, you know, so they, they have that knowledge now. And, but what I found really cool was I, I had this one student who, um, was Scottish and he was like, wait a minute, he goes, um, he goes, I remember my family talking about a clan system. You know, he was yeah. just like, I think they're Scottish clans and he was like, I'm gonna research that and he did. He found out his clan from Scotland. And it, it's so it's it is, it does go across yeah. like the spectrum, you know, and it and they start to connect and see you know it they it's like, Oh, right. I do have something in common with you. Even though, you know, right. I don't know anything about this or that. It's like now we have something that's familiar and you know, you kinda I see bonds like that and it was it was just really wonderful to see that.
0: Yeah. So Randy, you recently participated in a panel discussion um, where you talked about ways to support student mental health and resilience and you surfaced a term called epigenetics and I wonder if you could
2: talk about about that a little bit here. Sure, so um, you know two things that I brought forth kind of at the end of the um, that panel presentation one was really recognizing historical trauma and mm-hmm. the impact on what what grandfathers grandmothers great grandfathers great grandmothers and those generations that came before right. have had on on influencing current behaviors right current attitudes current reactions which can then connects to like the study of all of that Mm -hmm. which is which is the term epigenetics which you know is the it's how you reference your behaviors um, and environment um, the things that cause those changes um, and affect how you kind of interact with how your genes work right Mm -hmm. so it's that kind of overarching epi being over upon how your, how your life and past lives have influenced where you are and how you react to things based on what your genetic coding is, right? So, in our world here, um, we, <laughs> it's, and I, again, I love to listen to Natan. Um, I I think of the people that come in who have really not been exposed to their own culture. Um, who have this kind of detachment from um, that part of who they are um, that is so deeply rooted like they don't always understand some of the reactions that they're having and how they're connected potentially to some of the trauma that their parents grandparents great grandparents done. Yeah down the road. So we here in our world in behavioral health we try to help people identify what their own trauma has been and then maybe when they get to a good place they start to go back and they start to create a much broader understanding in terms of oh this is how like that didn't happen to me but I can make that connection now because I know my great grandparents went through the boarding school. I know they were removed from their homes. I know they didn't get to know their biological parents, or if they did, they were outcasts, Mm -hmm. and and they didn't get to interact. They were adopted off, um, and there were some pretty, kind of, I guess heinous is the best way to, like some heinous methods that were employed to take native kids and get them adopted into non-native families, which in this area is is white. I mean, Mm -hmm. white is the dominant culture, so. Um, we do a lot of trauma work here. Um, it's not often that we get to do that kind of uh, historical trauma work because, I mean, truth be known, everybody's carrying their own trauma right now, right? But we all have that, and it takes a while to kind of peel back the layers um, to kind of get a better understanding. So, but that's that's kind of our end game and our goal, and it's being aware that allows us to approach our people. Um, with the sensitivity and, and recognition they deserve, so very interesting. But...
1: Schools are integrating social emotional learning curriculums, such as trails, an example, to help students with important life skills. Are there any teachings unique to Native American culture that would touch on some of these skills from a Native perspective for area Native students? Um. So I.
3: I guess didn't figure this out when I was younger. Um, So I was raised in a Native family, but I wasn't necessarily raised around my culture or my language. Um, That went away, uh, my great grandparents were the last ones to really practice culture and speak the language. After that, the next generation, that was the boarding school and also no one wanted to teach, you know, the culture or language because it was against the law and it would make their children's lives really hard. They wanted them to fit in to be Christian, to be white, to have that very, you know, I'm I'm an American just like you kind of, you know, um, vibe going because... So they it was survival. It was, you know, a survival skill. So my parents... Um, we're kind of in the AIM days, in the 70s, American Indian Movement, where there was protest. So I did get a little bit because my, because my parents were involved in that protest in the 70s. I was born in 75, so um, that's why I have, my name is Nathan because that name is from um, the 1800s from Andrew J. Blackbird. Uh, he has a book of um, names and vocabulary. So that was kind of like a protest move of my mom, you know, not giving me an English name or an American name. You know, she wanted to give me an Odawa name. So, um, so that was, you know, that was the, the um, stage she was in. But as far as like learning any language, you know, it was very minimal, culture very minimal. Um, but as a teenager, I just, I struggled so hard in high school and um, not fitting in, not understanding what was going on. Um, You know, I didn't have any support. There was no advocacy for me. Um, I just kind of felt like on my own. And I think the biggest thing that would have helped me as a teenager was having a Native advocate, like someone who came where I came from, someone who looked like me, someone who understood my situation That would have helped me tremendously in high school. Um, Just someone to talk to, someone to explain what's going on, someone to, you know, believe in me. You know, like you can do this. But, you know, I'm here to help you, and you know that kind of, um, I guess, influence is what I, I really needed. So, but that kind of had a, so that was kind of like a reverse. Um, I guess, well not, a reaction. The reaction out of me was just like, okay, this is BS. You know, I want to change things. I'm going to become a teacher. I'm going to work in a high school. I'm going to be that native advocate for someone that that I didn't have. So I kind of took that energy, turned it around and, you know. Um, But I was the one in my family who broke that cycle. Broke the cycle because I'm, I'm from, I have a history of, you know, in my family. I have a history of alcoholism, I have a history of drugs, um, there's abuse in my family, and um, you know, I've experienced that as a young child. Um, and so, growing up and realizing that, um, you know, what was this dark cloud hanging over me, uh, you know, there was a lot... I didn't understand what was going on, you know, just being a, a young teenager, um, but when I Um, was looking for something when I was looking for that identity you know I was finding out you know like what happened and how it was impacting me and I took it upon myself to kind of like break that cycle you know so um, there was I knew one day if I had a family or when I have a family you know I didn't want them to be around alcoholism I didn't want them to be around drugs Um, you know, I did the best I could as a young mother, you know, having my children in a safe house, um, trying to not have, trying to avoid any any kind of trauma um, that happened to me, you know, um, trying to, but the main thing was, I knew that I was going to raise them um, as proud Anishinaabe peoples, like they were going to know who they were, They were going to know where they came from. They were going to know both sides of their family. They were going to definitely know what clan they came from. Um, Their father and I made sure that they had their um, spirit names when they were born. We took them to ceremonies. I mean, they were born and raised in in a lodge, you know, like they, that's all they know. Um, And so um, uh, their father and myself, we both knew that's what we wanted to do for our children. Um and so that's that's how I've raised my children. They're adults now, and I actually have a grandchild now, but I find it really'm um, I'm, I'm just really proud of them because when they, you know, when they go through a hard time, whenever life throws at them, they turn to their culture. You know, when they're when they need that extra, um, when they need that extra, Help you know that extra push in their lives they they turn to their culture, you know, and they both know they're they're very um, Knowledgeable in their language. I spoke to them as much as I could so I try to pass down everything Pretty much that my parents and grandparents could pass down to me So but I knew I wanted to break that cycle, you know of um, That generational trauma that Randy was talking about I made it a point to do that I still do you know, because now I have a granddaughter, so now there's three generations of <laughs> us, so just trying. But I think I kind of swayed off the question.
0: That's okay. I think it's interesting, and I'm, it's interesting how this whole conversation is, keeps going back to identity and, mm-hmm. and how that's so closely connected to wellness for adults and students. But yeah. um, I really appreciate you telling that story and, and uh, your experiences. Um, I would uh, is there anything else that either of you would like to add?
2: I mean, I'll, I'll point out one thing, and it's—I think it's more—it's kind of a life practice as much as it is a teaching, although there's teachings that go with it. And as you guys came into the behavioral health area, there we've got these photos of some tribal leaders uh, up on our wall, and they each are representing one of the seven grandfathers. So, you know, recognizing and including incorporating those seven grandfather teachings into the curriculum is probably something that would be really easy to do. I think they're fairly universal in, in terms of being cross-culturally applied. Um, so the seven teachings are truth and bravery and respect and honesty and humility, um, wisdom and love.
3: So. As a young adult and young mother, mm-hmm. um, and starting to realize like some of the trauma I faced as a child, and how it was affecting me as a mother and as a woman, I um, actually went to my first counselor. And that's when I actually moved back here in 2014, I started seeing a counselor at the Women's Resource Center. And it's like I know, like I'm confident in my culture, I'm confident in my mm-hmm. self-identity, but when I went to that counselor, and it... It just brought a whole new light on things, on my mental and emotional state, and it helped me so much. Sure. So, ever since I experienced that, I'm I, am am a huge advocate of having um, like modern day, you know, therapy and counseling mixed with Anishinaabe sure. teachings and spirituality. I think it's a duality. And it has changed my life. It's changed my family's life. Because a lot of people look down like, oh, you're going to a therapist. You know, there's something wrong with you. But absolutely not. Like, it has helped me so much of being with... If I wasn't a teacher, I definitely would have went <laughs> to like, into social work and counseling because I just love that field and how much it has changed me. That's great. And so I'm always encouraging young people, you know, to do that as well. To go seek mental... You know, um, help in mental. You know, someone to talk to, a counselor that is professional and trained, right. of course. But I mean, having both of those together has just made a huge impact on my life. So I'm always encouraging that as well. And you know, and I and I'm still I'm still in counseling, and both of my kids have been through counseling, um, and it has done wonders. You know, because they have that strength of their of who they are as a and they can rely on that, but also having you know this part right. over here of really getting to to know your own emotions and your own mentality and how you have the power to you know to to make change within yourself, and it it just feels amazing and it just helps with it helps you know my daily life and how I decide how I'm gonna be that day and That's you know great. how what things are gonna bother me, what things I'm gonna let go I and. Mean, <laughs> And you know, I, I just I just wanted to add that yeah. I think that's very important.
0: That might be the yeah. most important thing that we've said today. <laughs> I, that, I really appreciate you adding that at because one of the things that I think a lot of adults have been trying to do in the last few years is normalize people asking for help. We're all yeah. we all experience some form of trauma or anxiety or something, and if we just go around in our own bubbles and don't ever talk about it, then. It's never gonna get better. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I just had to, share to say that. that. I
3: mean, it just yeah. it really has changed my life, and great. you know, both of them together, it it makes a huge difference. So uh-huh. I encourage it highly to everybody and native youth.
0: <laughs> so we've been talking with Randy Koch and Nathan Kioguma from the little Traverse Bay bands of Ottawa Indians learning about ways they're supporting students and some unique challenges facing Native American students in our region. So thank you both for being here and having this conversation with us. Thank you for listening to the Leaders in Education podcast. Please check out our archive for past episodes.
2: And remember, the great thing about learning is that you never have to stop.